Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. This is Dr. Lara May here with you today, your host. And this is the latest segment of Wellness Illuminated. And so today I want to bring you um, illumination around how stress is driving up your blood sugar. Now, we all know that uh, high-carbohydrate foods are definitely contributing to high blood sugar, but what happens to your blood sugar levels when you're stressed? So during stressful situations, epinephrine, or also called adrenaline, glucagon, growth hormone, and cortisol all play a role in your sugar levels. So stressful situations can include infections in your body, Uh, other serious illnesses, but also emotional stress can drive all of these hormones, which will have a direct result on your blood sugar. So when you're stressed out, when you go into fight or flight, your body prepares itself by ensuring that enough sugar and or energy, so sugar is what your body uses for energy, is readily available. So your insulin levels fall, glucagon and epinephrine levels rise and more glucose is released from your liver. At the same time, growth hormone and cortisol levels rise, which causes the body tissues, specifically muscle and fat, to be less sensitive to insulin. So the fact that your liver is pumping out more glucose would normally tell your liver, or I'm sorry, tell your pancreas to pump out more insulin. But in this case, even if your pancreas pumps out more insulin, then because of the cortisol and the growth hormone, your uh, tissues are going to be less sensitive. So they're not going to be um, as responsive and take it up as it normally would be in a, in a non-stress situation. So as a result, more glucose is available in your bloodstream. So if you were to do a glucose finger stick test, or even if you have a continuous glucose monitor and you um, scan it during a time of stress, then your number will be higher than, um, than ideal, most likely. So when you have type, di- type 2 diabetes, or insulin resistance, low blood sugar from too much medication or insulin can also be a common cause of stress. So the hormonal response to a low blood sugar includes rapid release of epinephrine and glucagon, followed by a slower release of cortisol and growth hormone. And these hormonal responses to low blood sugar may last for up to six to eight hours during that time, during which time 
your blood sugar may be difficult to control. And so this phenomena is known as low blood sugar followed by a high blood sugar is called a rebound effect kind of makes sense, right? So when we have insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, it's really important to make sure that our stress is under control and or that we're aware of, you know, what stress is. So what are some, you know, uh, other, maybe you're this type of person that you think, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't have stress. I don't really have anything to stress or worry about. But I just want to go over, you know, a little list that are symptoms of stress so that you might not acutely feel anxious or stress or in fight or flight, but your body still might be going through a stress response, which would be driving a higher blood sugar than you want. So if you have muscle pain or tension, that can be considered stress in the body. If you're having sleeping issues, not sleeping well, that definitely drives cortisol up, which is seen as stress in the body. If you have depression or anxiety, definitely considered a stressful response in the body. Even if you're feeling unmotivated, restless, you have headaches or fatigue, those can produce a stress response in the body. And then if you're um, feeling sick, I sort of mentioned this earlier, but if you have an infection, type 2 diabetics will definitely see this. Even with something as mild as a simple UTI, that can drive the blood sugar up, which actually can worsen the UTI because those bacteria feed off that sugar. So um, it's it can become sort of this vicious cycle uh, depending on where you are within the spectrum of the disease state of type 2 diabetes. And so, you know, just be aware that even if it's a cold, uh, we're right in the, you know, with the beginning stages of, you know, flu and COVID season now and RSV. So be aware that if you're starting to feel under the weather, that you might want to um, keep a close eye on that blood sugar, be more diligent about what you're eating, how you're eating, how you're managing the other stress in your life. So hopefully you won't spike as much, but also just know that it's it's a part of your body's stress response to spike that blood sugar. Um, so, you know, obviously if you're feeling irritable anticipation or even excitement, that can, um, you know, anything that's going to spike the cortisol and the epinephrine is going to eventually spike that blood sugar. And for those of us that ha that don't have insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, it's, you know, um, every now and then these, you know, spikes are not a big deal because our body knows how to handle it. It's appropriate response. Everything goes back to normal. But if you are at the beginning stages of insulin resistance or pre-diabetic, then it is something to really keep a, a mindful awareness about because it's something you can control. And that's the reason I, I'm bringing you these segments and I'm calling them Wellness Illuminated because we're shining light on the ways that we have control over creating our health, over preventing disease, preventing disease progression, and even disease reversal in our own bodies. We are our own best healers. Our body do bodies do have the miraculous availability and capability of healing itself, 
reversing disease, reversing inflammation. We just have to give it the tools and the environment to do so. So before I finish up this quick little segment, because that's the intention of these wellness illuminated segments is just something quick and but powerful that you can digest um, and take in. So what are some ways we can combat stress? And I talk about this a lot throughout various episodes of my podcast, but I just want to give you a quick little list of things that you can do today that are very easy and approachable. So uh, the first thing is daily exercise. And it doesn't, please, please understand it doesn't have to be like hit training or running a marathon or anything crazy. Daily exercise really just means getting out and walking every day and or going, you know, if you have a treadmill in your house or as, you know, um, a cycle machine or a rower, just hopping on one of those and, you know, going for 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, Because especially if you do this right after you eat, it can really help mitigate the spike after we eat. We call that postprandial blood sugar. So instead of getting a spike after you eat, it could be something more of a, a even keel rise, more looking more like a plateau, and then a coming back within you know your um, your normal range, your preprandial range technically. So daily exercise. It could be yoga. It could be walking. It can be biking. It can be swimming. Um, it, again, it doesn't have to be crazy uh, cardiovascular. Just some movement because any of that movement is is involving muscle contraction, which is involving glycogen utilization, which is then involving directly your blood sugar management. So exercise is actually really powerful when it comes to managing our blood glucose. Back to the stress aspect, utilizing mindfulness within your day. So what does that mean? It means that Maybe, like I said, you're one of these people that don't consider yourselves, you're stressed, so to speak. But when I went through that list, maybe something stuck out to you like, oh, yeah, I'm not sleeping well. Or um, I do find myself, you know, feeling unmotivated or I do have like constant headaches or just am fatigued. You know, any of these things, becoming mindful and aware and having that connection to your body and to what's going on in our minds, that's the definition of mindfulness. And so then what do you do with that? You take 10 to 15 minutes every day to maybe just focus on your breathing. That would be a very simple way to start a meditation practice. And you can even start with something between three to five minutes if you're brand new to meditation. And I want to dispel this right now. The human brains are not meant to be silent and completely still. So if you're new to meditation and you're like, well, I can't get my brain to like shut off. That's okay. That's normal. The point of meditation is to practice shutting off the chatter and or, um, I don't want to use the word distraction, but I guess it is kind of at the beginning, it is a distraction from your normal chatter. So just taking that three to five minutes to close your eyes and literally just listen to how you're breathing. Focus on your breath. Are you breathing from your neck and shoulder muscles? Are you breathing from your belly? Where's the breath coming from? How full is the breath? Is it shallow? How fast is it? 
just taking this five minutes can really do wonders for bringing down your stress level and implementing a little bit of mindfulness and meditation into your life. That's just one simple, easy step. Um, I can give you lots more meditation tips and tricks. Uh, maybe I'll do that on the next one. Just focus on that. We've already talked about exercise. And then also to uh, try to focus on the positive as much as possible. We all are bombarded with so much negativity on a daily basis. Sometimes we can, we even forget that we are like sort of being like cynical and negative and that's just our baseline and our everyday go-to. And so what would it take for us to start focusing on the positive and look at, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt instead of assuming the worst about people or, you know, um, keeping a gratitude journal that because that's a really good way to sort of start shifting your perspective instead of focusing on what's not there, what you don't have or what's going wrong. We it's a really easy way to shift it into what I'm grateful for what's already here in my life. And um, and maybe even th start thinking about what you want to create, but from a positive perspective. Another way to really help mitigate your stress and anxiety levels is to learn how to say no. A lot of us are yes people, we're people pleasers, and that is not necessary in order for you to live a happy, fulfilled, healthy, stress-free life. No is a complete sentence, and it can also be said in a completely loving way. And so I want you to think about when people are asking things of you. When your husband or wife is asking things of you, your partner, your kids, your job, maybe some of the organizations that you're a part of, they're all asking something of you. How many times can you say yes and still pour from a full cup versus are you saying yes too much and overgiving and depleting yourself and stressing yourself out? So uh, I would just challenge you to think about the word no and the next time something comes up and your first instinct is to sort of like sigh and think, oh God, but then you say yes anyway, maybe that should be a loving no. And then on top of that, don't be afraid to ask for help. We can't all do everything ourselves. So instead of drowning under the demands of all those things I just mentioned before, family, work life, reach out for help. Ask your friends for support. Ask your family for support. If it's with your kids, ask and they're on teams, ask those other parents, you know, like, could you help me carpool? Or how about on these days, you know, I'll take the kids and on these days, you know, you take them to all their sports and events or whatever. You know, um, there are lots of resources out there, especially once we start looking that we probably don't see when we're sort of in this tunnel vision of I have to do everything myself. I'm the only one that can do this for me or my kid or my family or my job or whatever. So asking for help, that's a big one. And then also having someone you can talk to, whether it's a coach, a therapist, a friend, um, it's important to be able to feel like you are supported and have resources when it comes to stress management. So I encourage you if you, uh, you know, if you want 
to bring on a coach into your life. I am here for you. I'm a life coach and a health coach. And so um, that's an option. You can go to my website, drlaramay.com forward slash services to find out more about my coaching services. And then the last thing is invest time for you and self-care. Take time to do something for yourself every day if you can, whether it's that little bit of meditation time, whether it's a walk in the morning or a walk after your lunch break, or soaking in the bathtub, reading a few chapters in a book, or even just going to lunch with a friend. Do something for yourself every day so that you know you're taking care of you. Because when we take care of ourselves first, we put that oxygen mask on ourselves first, we're better able to show up in a more complete and calm and healthy way for those that we love. So I'm going to finish this episode up today. I hope that you were able to glean some information about how stress drives our blood sugar up. And so if you're one of those um, many millions of people out there dealing with insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, please know that stress does matter, but you do have control. You do have power. And that's my purpose of this show and and what I do in life is to empower you to take control of your health, know what you can do to help yourself in as many ways as possible. So thank you so much. I look forward to hearing your feedback. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to leave them anywhere you can. Uh, YouTube is a great place for that. If you listen to this show on YouTube. I review and respond to all of those comments, and I really appreciate them. Plus, if you have any questions, uh, please bring me your questions, and I can answer them live on the show also. So because I'm sure if you have the question, then there's someone else also out there that has the question that can benefit from the answer. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'm happy to help you in any way I can, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.